Taylor Decker's on my all 22 fantasy team. Stop. They don't care. So the strategic component to this game is through the roof. Your predictions, right? Your forecasting in fantasy football into how good is this player? This is gonna it's gonna change the industry. Yeah. yeah. I moved to the old town where it goes down. Look at me now. I wrote my goals down. I hold it down. Made myself proud. What's up, everybody? Welcome into another All 22 Daily season started. We're one week in. We have Thursday night football coming up. It's a pretty good game with the Vikings uh, squaring off against the Eagles. A few things I'm excited about, but Ray, I want to give you an opportunity first to talk about this game. Yeah, it's two teams that are not satisfied with their week one performance. The Eagles escaped uh, against New England. Uh, the Vikings went down to the Bucks. Neither team is happy, though. And I think a lot of players, a lot of different players, a lot of name players are looking for bounce back performance on Thursday night. So there's also some injuries to keep in mind and sort of watch out for. But uh, outside of that, I think it's going to be a pretty intense game, pretty physical on both sides of the ball. Because, uh, yeah, like I said, a, a lot of good players on both teams did not play up to what they're used to playing up to as standard goes. And I'm sure they're looking to change that. So I'm, I'm pretty excited for, for Thursday Night Football this week. Look at like Lane Johnson and Jordan Mailata's performance from last week. They gave up a combined nine hurries, nine hurries for two tackles that are essentially the top, some of the top tackles in the game, right? Then you go to Jurgensen and Dickens, Dicker, uh, Dickerson, Landon Dickerson, <laughs> who also gave up two each, two hurries each. So you're talking about 13 combined hurries from what's supposed to be your strongest group uh, of that offense. That's that's a pretty bad showing. And on top of that, Jalen Hurts had one of his worst games, right? Bad offensive line, bad quarterback performance. Um, he had two turnover-worthy pl- pl- plays of his own. We talk about the Patriots, right? They are always the team that kind of figures out like the juggernaut, right? Like a juggernaut goes and faces off against the Patriots, and Bill Belichick typically comes up with the answer, right? So I wonder if there's anything to that in this game where the Vikings can kind of conjure up a similar style of attack and have some similar success. It's a short week, though, which is tough, right? The Eagles, that offensive style, that offense is not a team or offense that you want to play on a short week. You want your time to prepare. You want your time to heal up because they do run the ball. They run the ball hard, and uh, it's pretty physical. So, yeah, you, you, you would like more time, ideally a full week, if you're the Vikings. But, uh, yeah, overall, I mean, it, just interested to see how they bounce back. I think it starts with the offensive line. It doesn't start with Jalen Hurts. It starts with that offensive line. Do they get back to form? And then if so, the Vikings secondary is not not the best unit on that team. So that's something that can be taken advantage of if the time is there and some opportunities are there for Jalen Hurts if he has time to actually deliver the ball when he's asked to. So, yeah, I think it all starts with whether or not those tackles have a bounce-back game. And the other thing, too, that is, as of as of now, as of when we record, Marcus Davenport is questionable for, for the Vikings. So that's a huge piece on their defensive line that if he doesn't play, their main weapon, they only have one legit weapon there really as a pass rusher on that line being uh, Daniil Hunter. So uh, I think that's a big, big miss if he does not play, he being Davenport, that is. Um, so that's one I'm definitely keeping a close eye on because that's a that's a pretty swing performance right there based on his uh, availability. 
it's almost a slap in the face too because you go and see Zadarius Smith on Cleveland last week have almost a career game. Like he looked phenomenal. They traded him away for peanuts, um, and and that's might be their weakness right now. So that's that's definitely going to be tough for the Vikings. And then you look at the Eagles defense, and you talked about a couple injuries. So right now we are right we're we're Wednesday night, and James Bradbury and Reed Blankenship are already ruled out. So we're looking at Justin Jefferson. We're looking at Jordan Addison. They both put up pretty good games. Addison showed flashes. Right, it wasn't a complete performance for him. But it was a good performance. His first game in the NFL, he looked sharp. It just got a little easier for both those guys, right? So if the Vikings are going to win this game, it's going to be off the back of those two guys. And the Eagles might have just opened up the door for them to do just that. Yeah, now the problem is for the Vikings is that Garrett Bradbury uh, is ruled out with a back injury at center. So we just saw what Jalen Carter did in week one as far as just pressuring the quarterback pretty much nonstop all game. If you have that pressure right up the middle, that's going to disrupt absolutely everything uh, with your offensive performance. So ideally you want to attack, attack the Eagles through the air. You probably want to do that, whether uh, Bradbury and Blankenship are healthy, you know, even just at full strength, let alone with them missing both of those guys too in the secondary. So, but the thing is if Jalen Carter just makes that all move by just, you know, pressuring the quarterback right up the middle and disrupting that entire offensive operation, that's a big deal. So I do wonder if they can attack the edges in the run game uh, for Minnesota. So uh, that's another thing I'm looking at. I do like their offensive tackles uh, and particularly in the run game too. So ideally you would want to attack the Eagles through the air, but if Jalen Carter disrupts that, I think the outside run game has to be there for, for Minnesota for them to have a chance. I think right now they're 20 they're a touchdown uh, underdog in, in the game. And I think that's about right. But stylistically, they either have to air it out or I think attack the edges on the ground and kind of stress that uh, linebacker unit for, for Philly, given some of the injuries they have, N'Kobe Dean out uh, as well. So uh, different ways to attack. I, I really think it hinges on uh, two things, whether the Vikings can get pressure when they're on defense from the edges and then when the Vikings are on offense, if Jalen Carter disrupts the whole thing just on his own, taking advantage of the injury that they have at center uh, with Bradbury out. So it's just, it's interesting that I'm putting that much of, of an onus or that much pressure on a rookie in his second game. But I think that's just how the matchups sort of shake out this week. Yeah. And with that, I'm trying to think for this game, particularly who are the players that I'm, I'm like rushing to start, right? It, it's Jalen Carter, of course. Um, I think he's an obvious one for the Eagles defense, especially with uh, Bradbury out. Uh, but who else, right? Because you looked at the tackles for the Eagles, who are usually the surefire starters having rough days. Christian Darisaw had kind of a tough get, uh, week one as well. So, you know, there there aren't guys that I'm saying I'm so confident, you know, he, he balled out in week one um, besides Jalen Carter. Who are those guys in this game? Yeah, it's it's really tough. I mean, it's it's the receivers, but those are guys you're starting anyway, right? Everybody's going to start AJ Brown. Everyone's going to start Justin Jefferson. I, you you may be starting Jordan Addison. I would I would probably start him in this game, uh, even though he's a rookie in his second game too. I really think it's just the skill guys on offense for either team, whether it's Brown, Devontae Smith, um, Addison, or Jefferson. Those are the clear must start guys. If you go beyond that, 
there's still so many question marks just sort of across the board. I mean, I have I have a lot of my lot of shares in our main league. My lot is my usually my tackle one. I'm still rolling with him after a poor performance. And I think even if Davenport plays, I'm probably still trusting my lot. I mean, he's had a you know a couple very good years now, so I can't let one week really de- you know deter me from sort of that plan of action because it's still so early that you don't want to overreact to what you've seen. And it's still too early to know exactly what you're going to get moving forward as well. So I think you have to sort of fall back on what you already thought for a lot of these players and not be too quick to pull the trigger one way or the other, unless it's taking advantage of a big injury, like for example, Jalen Carter against, uh, you know, a, a Bradbury list Vikings offensive line. Yeah, I think that's I think that's right, right? You you go with what you know, you stick with the guys that, you know, year in and year out have been performing for you. I think there's one other guy uh that I just wanted to mention because I haven't heard anything anybody really talking about him, but Jordan Davis had the best game of his young career with an 85.3 defensive grade. Uh had a sack of his own, two tackles, had another hurry. Like he he put up a pretty good performance. So, you know, besides just, you know, uh, Jalen Carter having a good day, Jordan Davis had a really good day. And I think, you know, with, with, uh, the two of them paired next to each other, there's going to be a lot of success. So I I don't think it's limited to just Carter. I think Davis is a guy that you probably can start, uh, you know, every week now too. And, you know, these defensive interiors typically take a few years to get going, but when you pair two insane talents like this, that are, you know, uh, freshmen and sophomore, like they might just take off. So I'm, I'm starting Jordan Davis. Yeah. I mean, you're looking at Ezra Cleveland, uh, Austin Schlotman at center, and then Ed Ingram at guard. It's, it's going to be tough sledding on the interior of the offensive line for the Vikings. I, like I said, I really think you have to attack those edges because like you mentioned, Jordan Davis and Jalen Carter are super talented and they're, they're going to have a day or they're going to have a night. Um, you want to neutralize that as much as you can by maybe trying to attack those edges. I mean, Christian Darisol, is a, he's a bully. Uh, I, I really like what he can do in the run game, really run and pass game. He's just a great player all around when he's healthy. You got to lean on, on, on someone like him and on Brian O'Neill as well on the edge. You, you, I, I don't think you're going to win this game up the middle. If you're the Vikings, you have to, attack the secondary and then attack the edges on the ground. I think that's your only chance really, because like you said, those guys are really talented and they're, they're going to get theirs. Absolutely. All right, let's go into the weekend. We have a bunch of good games this weekend and, you know, let's give the people a little bit of a taste of the players we think are must starts for this week. And Ray, I want you to kick it off. Cause I have a little bit of a, a sneak attack for my pick. Oh gosh. Uh, I don't even know what that means, but sure. Um, so one player I really like for week two is Adafe Owe of the Baltimore Ravens going up against uh, the Bengals this weekend. The, the Bengals offensive line has just been bad. Jonah Williams has been very bad. Uh, and in week one, Owe really looked like the player that we wanted him to look like when he was a first round pick in 2021. Now he's always been an upside raw player who needed time to put it all together. And I'm not necessarily saying that he's turned the corner from here on out, but he looked like he was scratching that upside in week one and really getting to where you want him to be. And you could say, oh, that was against the Houston Texans, but 
I'm also talking about the Bengals offensive line here. Uh, so I'm not necessarily sure they put up much of a better fight at all, to be honest. So I think the matchup for OA is, is looking good this week. Um, and if he just continues to kind of build off of what we saw in week one, again, this is a young player in year three, which is where you want to see them really build off of the early part of his career and play into that upside, that athleticism that he has as a player. He showed that in week one. Can he do it for the whole year? I'm not sure just yet, but the matchup favors him to do that again in week two against the Bengals. The Bengals just seemed like a team that didn't have much practice in the preseason. I mean, I, I, me as a Packer fan, I remember all of the kind of Aaron Rodgers years. A big knock that a lot of Packers fans had against Aaron Rodgers is he didn't play in the preseason, right? He basically said, I'm going to use week one, two, and three as my preseason. By the time we get to the playoffs, it doesn't matter because we're going to win enough games that it doesn't matter. Joe Burrow being out for the entire preseason with his injury coming back, he did look like that was his preseason game and it was rough, right? Everybody else was geared up, ready to go on uh, the other side of the ball. His offense did not look geared up and ready to go. Looking at Jonah Williams, right, you mentioned 45.2 pass blocking grade and Orlando Brown Jr. with a 57 pass blocking grade. Those are rough games from your offensive tackles. Odafi Owe, he's a guy that, you know, like you said, he's, he hasn't really broken out yet. Um, I was making some tough drop decisions today, and I was before I realized the game that he had, I was like, you know, do I part ways with him? It's been a couple of years, been waiting. It hasn't really panned out. And then I looked and I was like, oh, shoot, like he's he had a day last week. So I think you're right with with the Bengals offensive line and the situation that they're in. This is a great matchup. Hopefully away kind of carries on with his success. Yeah, he went to the greatest university in the world. So he's a great guy. He's awesome. So naturally, naturally, we're going to take a shot at home. Yep. So give me your sneak attack. What is this? Uh, well, we said we're each going to do three and I'm going to bang out two right now. So okay. I'm going to go with the 49ers. The guys that line up across from Nick Bosa. I don't know if you remember, but we talked about sleepers, right? The the hidden gems. And my guy was Drake Jackson. Drake Jackson and Cleveland Farrell had huge days last week, right? So when we look at that pairing, Farrell on 31 snaps had an 84.5 defensive grade and two QB hits. Drake Jackson, uh, the other guy, my guy, 82.3 grade on 28 snaps, three sacks, two hurries, and three stops. And for those of you that don't know what a stop is, according to PFF, right, it's a play in which the result of the play was a failure for the offense. He had three of those in addition to his three sacks and two hurries. That is a day for Drake Jackson. The offensive line he played against last week was weak, right? I'm, I'm not going to lie. Pittsburgh doesn't have the greatest offensive line. The rookie hasn't been starting a tackle for them yet, so it's it was kind of the same old dogs. Uh, but this week they go against Los Angeles, right? The Rams who have undrafted free agent Alaric Jackson starting at left tackle. And, uh, you know, he had a decent week last week against Seattle, which is a, not a great defensive front. He had a 70.6 grade, but this is going to be the hardest matchup of this guy's young career. Uh, and then on the other side, it's Rob Havenstein, who's, you know, a veteran, but he's never been a high end veteran, right? He's a, he's a, he's a good solid starter, but he's a you know a 70 creator type of guy. I expect these 49ers edge rushers to have field days against the Rams. And you know, I liked seeing Matthew Stafford have a good game last week. I think he did great. I think the Rams overachieved. I think they did a great job. I think people are gonna be high on them. Just just watch Nick Bosa, Cleveland Farrell, and Drake Jackson absolutely feast. And 
since Nick Bosa is an obvious start, I'm going with those other guys, Cleveland Farrell and Drake Jackson are my one and two. I think they're going to have great days. Um, I think, you know, you, you also got to consider they're going to go against the interior offensive line at some points too, right? There's going to be switches where they're moving inside. You, you're talking about rookie Steve Avila, uh, Noteboom, and Coleman Shelton at center. Yeah, Avila. And uh, those three guys are are inexperienced. They're young. And I'm not saying they won't have good careers, but they're not there yet, right? And this is going to be a challenge for them. Drake Jackson, three sacks, two hurries, three stops last week in an 82.3 grade. Let's keep it going. Let's let's have him be uh, kind of like the breakout player this year. Yeah, my next guy up was Drake Jackson. That was one of my other three guys. So yeah, let's go. And yeah, and we say it all the time. We don't we don't sit here and compare notes and exchange. You say this, I say that. No, no, no. We 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 develop our own notes, do our own research, and then we come on here and talk this thing out. So this is not ESPN first take. This is not scripted. So I also wrote down. Drake Jackson for a lot of the things you mentioned, right? Uh, I think it's interesting about the Rams. I really think the Rams just come back down to earth, right? Um, I, I think it's this sort of, it's this week one, I wouldn't go so far as to call it a phenomenon, but you see it from time to time where some low-end teams really overachieve. Uh, and then even in a in a more micro sense, when you watch a team that's outmatched go up against a team with more talent than them that's you know, maybe 10 point favorites or whatever it is, right. That's really expected to win. Sometimes that underdog really comes out and right out the gates, they come out strong. They have their scripted 15 plays and they run them to perfection. They know that they're outmatched, so to speak. Right. So you kind of throw everything at the opponent early, right. To see what you can land, see what sticks and see if you can really just sort of catch them off guard from the jump. I think in a sense, that's what we saw from the Rams in week one. And then I think that they come back down to earth. You kind of saw that with the Cowboys and Giants uh, in in Sunday Night Football as well, where the Giants had a good drive going. They threw a lot at the Cowboys with a lot of different motions and such, moved the ball down the field, and then one thing didn't go their way, and everything just rolled downhill from there right after the block field goal. I think in a similar sense, that's going to be the Rams are not going to be able to move the ball very well against this 49ers front and defense as a whole. And then I think when that happens and they don't generate that same momentum, things will start to fall back on them. And part of that is that defensive front. You have guys like Drake Jackson, and it's not just the three sacks, right? It's five total pressures in 26 pass rush snaps. That's 20% just about, right? So, I mean, that's that's a heck of a, of a start. For a second-year young player who's, again, opposite and all-pro in Bosa and has great players behind him, alongside him, everywhere on that defense against a Rams offensive line that maybe just played on top of their heads for a little bit uh, in week one, I think they revert back to the mean and the 49ers do what the 49ers do, and guys like Drake Jackson uh, are beneficiaries of that. Cleveland Farrell, to an extent as well, kind of in the same vein we talked about John Simpson the other night. You get somebody out of the Raiders, put them in a in a spot to start or contribute with a good organization like the Ravens or now here like the 49ers, and then you kind of see if they blossom. And so far, that's what Cleveland Farrell did, right? So maybe it's kind of the same thing uh, with him. But I did write down Drake Jackson as my second guy that I really like for this week. That's wild. And so you said uh, 20, uh, 20% uh, pressure rate, right? 20% pressure rate. Oh, we talked about how if you are at 12% at the end of the year, you're top five out of all 
edge rushers. So just to give context to how special 20% is, right? It's one game, doesn't mean anything, uh, but it's a great start and that's, that's what you want to see. Uh, I feel really good to get, uh, get about my next pick, and it's center Ryan Kelly for the Colts. Hopefully, we don't have the same guy here. I don't think so. <laughs> no, I did okay. not take a center from the Colts. <laughs> center for the Colts, Ryan Kelly had an 80.8 pass blocking grade in week one against Jacksonville on 49 pass blocking snaps, only gave up one hurry, which is which is pretty good, right? Kelly is not your phenomenal center. He's not your no-brainer guy, but I think this is going to be a good week for him. Um, he's had a couple down years. But this running threat that Richardson adds to that offense, I think is going to take a lot of pressure off of this offensive line. Defenses need to respect the run. They don't bring as much. Uh, and it and it just fares better for offensive linemen, right? So Kelly should be a beneficiary of that. He's going against Houston this week, right, who has veteran Sheldon Rankins and Malik Collins. But Sheldon Rankins coming off of a couple good years with the Jets. But that situation is a lot different than the Jets situation was, right? This is going to be a lot tougher. He had a 38.5 PFF grade last week against Baltimore. And then Malik Collins, who has been honestly pretty bad the last couple of years, had a 27.6 grade last week. So you're talking about 38.5, 27.6 grade going against Ryan Kelly, who had one of the best performances of his, you know, his career. I, I think there's going to be a lot of success there for not just Kelly, but the entire Colts offensive line. But Kelly being that veteran is the guy I want to go with. I think he's going to have a, a field day against this Houston uh, defensive front. Yeah, it's interesting because Houston, that roster is getting better. But the talent that you see on that roster, especially on defense, is really on the edges, right? We talked about Will Anderson and, and the phenomenal start that he had to his career last week in week one, right? And then Jonathan Grenard as well has been a player that we discussed who's just kind of this like quietly very productive uh pass rusher on the edge but yeah on the interior that's where they're vulnerable uh at linebacker nothing there really you know really strikes fear in you Denzel Perryman is fine he's, he's kind of a solid starter over there Corey Littleton is very hit and miss and up and down so again nothing that really deters you uh from starting someone like Ryan Kelly who like you mentioned it's a team predicated on a strong running game and a running quarterback that kind of makes his life and, and the life of the offensive line a little bit easier. There's nothing that on paper you see from the Texans that makes you kind of deviate from that. And so I think it's really that the opportunity is there for Kelly to take advantage of all those factors in a matchup like this. Cause again, the talent, when you look at this Texans defense is really on the outside on the edge uh, with Anderson and Grenard, and then you have you know guys like Stingley who are still young and developing, Jalen Petrie in the back end. Those are really the guys that they're trying to to build around for the future. You have Jimmy Ward, a vet at safety on the back end as well. So uh, those are all guys that aren't really impacting my center. So yeah, I, I think I think it's a great pick. I did not, uh, I, I was not going that route, but uh, yeah, I like what you did there. Um, anything to add before I jump into my I guess now third one. No, I want to hear. I want to hear what you got. All right. We're sticking with the with the offensive line. And this one is a bit more of a gut pick than anything else because of how early it is. And I'm going with Darnell Wright, the, the rookie tackle for the Bears. I think they're still going to just continue to lean on a, a downhill, just sort of rushing attack, right? And I think outside of Levante David, um, you look at someone like Devin White in particular, 
at linebacker for the Bucks. Not particularly strong against the run. He's more of a playmaking blitzer type. And I think when lined up across from uh, Tryon Shoyinka uh, at the edge there, I think Darnell Wright is the more physical player and can really just in the run game kind of have his way there and get to the second level to those linebackers. So it's a bit of a gut feel because we're talking about a rookie who's played one game and he could very easily just do dumb rookie things like rookies do uh, or just get you know kind of schooled and welcomed to the NFL by someone like a Levante David. But I'm really not sold on the Tampa Bay front. I think Vita Vea is kind of past that peak point already and he's had some injuries. So I think as a whole from the inside out, they're kind of starting to slip back uh, to the rest of the pack there in Tampa from a defensive front standpoint. And I, I just like sort of the the, the young legs, the, the, the strength of someone like Darnell Wright and how the Bears will attack a, a defense like the Bucks, or at least what I would do is, is really lean on that run game because they do have a pretty strong secondary still in Tampa. But if you could lean on that run game I like how Darnell Wright profiles there. It fits into Fields' strengths as well, and that can kind of make life easier for the offensive lineman, as we just kind of discussed there when talking about Kelly and the Colts. So, yeah, it's not one that's backed up by a ton of data because there's not a ton of data there, but just off of what I've seen and what I feel, I kind of like Darnell Wright. That is an interesting pick, and it's it's the Bears you know, doing a great job with picking these tackles that are kind of out of the ordinary, right? They're not your typical, you know, build and, and skill set of the successful first-round pick tackles that we see nowadays. Braxton Jones last year, Darnell Wright this year. Braxton Jones had an 89.9 pass blocking grade last week. You know, they lost that game by a ton of points. Braxton Jones held his own, right? But Darnell Wright did as well, 72.1 offensive grade. Uh, more uh, strong on the run blocking side with the 77 grade and 64.8 pass blocking, but he because he did give up five hurries to Rashawn Gary. Um, so you know Rashawn Gary, you know when he's healthy, is a top 10 edge rusher in the NFL. So I don't really expect anything less against a rookie, you know, a rookie tackle. Uh, but one thing I will say about Wright is, you know, watching the game last week. If you're a Bears fan and you're a Bears player, like you're you're a little embarrassed, right? Darnell Wright showed on the field that he wasn't just embarrassed, he was angry. And he was going to make sure that he wasn't going to be the guy that gave up, right? He was not giving up on that game. He fought playing and play out. Uh, you saw it on like the Quay Walker pick six, right? Darnell Wright met him at the goal line and smacked that boy. And that is something that you want to see, right? You want to see that this dude's pissed off that his team is getting embarrassed on their own field, right, to start the season when they were meant to blow out the Packers. Not only that, Darnell Wright on the run plays, he was being aggressive. He was being violent. All things, you know, you and I talk about loving in, in our prospects that we see. We love that violence uh, in offensive line players uh, because at the end of the day, if you're going to get beat sometimes, you better make sure that the next play you're hitting somebody in their mouth. And I think Darnell Wright is willing to do that. Um, so, yeah, it's a good pick. And I, I agree with the matchup against Tampa Bay. Uh, they are kind of this aging team uh, with with some young defensive, you know, edge rushers, but guys that really haven't shown enough. Uh, Shoyanka hasn't really done enough yet. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm liking that pick. I feel like we kind of like because we had the double, I did two. Like we kind of sold people a little short on our uh, our three. So maybe we'll come back Friday with a few more for the for the people. 
Oh yeah. For the people. For I'm the all people. about it. We'll make it happen. <laughs> we'll make it happen. I'll have my people cool. talk to your people. We'll set something up. Yeah. We'll see if our times line up. Yeah. 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 Thank you everybody for tuning in. Enjoy the game Thursday night. Uh, like we said, it's, it's Eagles Vikings should be a, you know, a great game. Get in there, watch it. Uh, the other thing I wanted to say, start watching some college tape because uh, if you haven't been paying attention, there are some really intriguing prospects in this year's class. And I think maybe, maybe this is a tease of an episode that should be coming up soon, Ray, is we should talk about some of these guys uh, because, you know, Ray, you're 0-1. You might decide to start tanking soon. You might need to start watching some film. Uh, and there's probably a like lot a of people out there. four high score in our league, all right? It's just it's a bad 0-1, man. Start looking at those quarterback prospects because there's some good ones. Sure, but there's sure, a lot of people sure. in your position. So uh, I think we should start uh, getting people ready for the draft, right? It's never too early um, because all 22 dynasty, you need to, you need to get in there and do that. But thank you everyone again for tuning in. Um, enjoy Thursday night. I'm a ghost.